Hello and welcome to this podcast about participatory art practices and failure. My name is Tandy McLeod. My name is Ewald Doren and today we'll be talking with Chris Rotweit and Ellie van Egen. It seemed to me, after after seeing more of your work also, it seemed to me very integral to, to, to your trajectory and to, to the processes that you started to, to embrace any kind of failure, like uh, in a very lighthearted way. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the reasons why so many people afterwards um, wanted to participate because probably they... <laughs> They felt a bit um, like they pitied this little girl that wanted to start a project in that neighborhood. So you put it to work strategically. No, but I think often it works like this because a lot of the projects I start off um, alone um, and nothing is perfect, hardly from perfect, not even close to well organized. I think people maybe, I say pity now, but it's not pity, but in a way from the very first moment they, they see that there's a personal engagement there and that it's not um, uh, a well-oiled uh, organization that is, that is landing there and... and um, so they don't have to feel threatened. Opens up the circus and then when the show is over, the circus leaves town. It's not this kind of project. So I think this, um, I can say this easily now, of course, it's not so easy, but I think this makes up um, uh, a good deal of why people want to be involved because they, they see that I take it seriously too and that I'm... Um, fully committed there for a, a long period of time. But that there is room to jump in and help you out? like Yeah, there is a necessity to do something because there is no light and there is no water, and, but there could be. And they, so they have like a hole to jump in. I can do the water and I can do the light. And so if you would see the place now, it's crazy. <laughs> it's way better than than the small uh, um, neighborhood studio that I had there. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Chris? Do you have do you have a relationship with failure? Yes, yes, yes. Of course, um, we um, um, we live a bit on failures <laughs> because. Um, uh, like in the first place, we have a lot of miscommunication. That's uh, <laughs> the main uh, thing that we have in our, in our uh, uh, things that we do. Like and it's always, uh, it's always coming something out of it. It's, uh, it's always uh, giving a, 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 you could say, a wrong direction or not direction. And then it gives a sort of space, a sort, a sort of freedom because um, we have residencies and then artists come and they have a certain idea or a concept and from uh, moment one it's already <laughs> lost in uh, miscommunication and, and um, yeah and um, then I see it as a benefit to uh, to go free with it and you you can uh, um, people ha uh, you give people a voice with it uh, or something like that because um, 
if uh, everything is uh, according to plan and according to concept and then making and then having a presentation, then it's all uh, fixed before. So we, we like that it's a bit un un ad hoc and uh, that we can uh, uh, go on with the failure and uh, 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 grow on it and uh, build up on, on the failures we made. And can you think of a time um, within your artistic practice where failure has really impacted your work? It sounds like you work with it often as a starting point. Is there anything um, specific you could tell us about a past project? Um, I really have to think because I had a lot of failures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you listen, well, all the failures go, kiddies. I <laughs> put I, them I on the table. <laughs> I, uh, I remember the nicest story that they told me about manoeuvre. You have to correct me if I, if I got it totally wrong, but I, I like the story a lot. Was that they kind of like read the Tirabot uh, and everything around. Uh, I, I used to live there as a student also, like uh, about 20 and something years ago. And uh, so I, I, I know how um, the neighborhood used to be, but then they kind of like totally made it new and everything was like, nice open lines and, and clean except that like there was no shade at all and then uh, the story goes that you guys moved in and you talked with people about like why are you not going to sit in this nice space that has been redone by the city and the nice playground and everything and everybody was like there is no shade why would we ever go there it's horrible and so the city thought they had done a really good job and, and the, the people in the neighborhood were really, really not happy with it. That, that sounds to me like you, you guys are working a lot with like starting from, but maybe you have to, to explore a little bit in, in what you guys did and how you, you worked on that. But it sounds like the starting point really was like the failure of like the city who thought that they were very smart and actually came up with like, uh, an architectural or like a, a um, city planning failure that you guys moved in and took yeah yeah, and yeah. took ownership of it yeah, yeah yeah then then we had a project and we made the sunshade uh, for the park and uh, it was also through um, uh, fundings uh, from the neighborhood on it's uh, like a small funding from the city but uh, the people that themselves have to f uh, ask for the funding so um, we ask that the people and they and we help them to do that and then uh, we had a, a long 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 trajectory with children with uh, then the others than other people um, helping us to uh, make a design for the sheet uh, for the sunshade and then uh, we made one but we had also one uh, like we thought ah oh, we have so many designs and so many forms of it how can we make now a sheet how can we really uh, make one that everybody has uh, so that was also difficult so we asked the, the women who, who were coming with us, uh, the participants, and they said, oh, out of all the ideas, there are so many colors and uh, everybody wants another color. So we are going to make it in white. 
<laughs> so uh, that was the solution of the neighborhood. So we thought, huh, <laughs> that's not possible. But we did it in white. So we asked, we 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 let them solve the problem themselves or something like that. And also uh, there were a lot of motives and we thought nobody, nobody uh, is going to recognize any uh, design of themselves or the children are going to be disappointed there. And uh, then when the shade was ready, they said, uh, they were lying under the shade and they said, oh, that thing, I, I was, that was my design and that was my design. So they imagined their own uh, yeah, uh, cool. thing in it. So yeah, so you always think you are failing <laughs> or you are doing something wrong or, but uh, it's always coming good. So you have to trust uh, a lot of things and uh, let it go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it sounds like Leave it in the hands of the, of the people uh, and not uh, uh, willing to do it yourself because when you solve it yourself <laughs> or something like that, then uh, it's not okay, I think. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you ha you kind of have to start with a problem and not solve it. Like yeah, yes, yes, yes. decide to not solve the problem yes, and ask yes. people for help. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's so often too that good intentions, you know, your most well thought through of plans just suddenly don't work at all. So I think many artists are very good at holding their ideas very loosely and just reacting in the moment and, and, and trusting their intuition and just seeing where it's going to lead them, perhaps to another failure, but then going further through that one and not holding those things too tightly really, um, really yeah. makes a huge difference, I think. Mm -hmm. but to contradict this, also, I think artists can be very stubborn, so I don't think necessarily right. all artists <laughs> have this openness of mind to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, vision. I no, to, uh, well, you uh, yeah, and you want you you kind of precious like uh, especially as a young artist. I think it's so easy to be precious about your ideas and not want to to open them up. I think it takes a lot of time before you can, uh, or it depends on your character. Just like Chris, uh, you are saying like, uh, but yeah, I don't yeah. I, I I don't easily. <laughs> Let go of your ideas. <laughs> no. I had to think, Chris, when you said that you not necessarily work with fixed plans and that this is that this benefits the end result, let's say. Um, I, 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 I really recognize this, but I also had to think back of, of um, someone in a, a project that I did who had a lot of problems with this that specifically the lack of a fixed plan and like a clear uh, focus of where we were going was not there. It also um, made him uh, not be very confident anymore in that this project was going well and he was not really believing in it anymore. And this of course had an effect on how much he still wanted to participate in it. Um, and, and maybe this is um, um, what we are referring to maybe in terms of uh, culture, is that uh, failure um, maybe is also in relationship to experience in a creative process. And if you have some experience in a creative process, then you 
are also more willingly to allow these failures because you know from past experiences that after every low comes probably a high and that if you're confident in opening up the process and not necessarily in detail knowing where you are going to end up, then mostly this is the most sincere and, and good way of participation, but not all participants have this experience or this cultural background in a way. Um, and for me, this is still um, a difficult thing to, to do, to um, convince some people, to keep them on board and to convince some people that, that it's okay that I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I don't really see this participatory turn. I think um, community arts organizations have been working for more than 50 years. But what I do see is that it's maybe to some extent new um, in uh, the hardcore arts field, let's say. And there I think uh, Chris used, a, for me, a vital word words integrity i have seen um in the last couple of years more and more artists also students from the school where i teach um who are um stating that they want to start a participatory a project and then very soon you see that um there's no integrity there, like it's not a real, um, it's not a real ambition. It's like a hopping on a wave that is coming, like a, a surfing act or something like this. Um, but this very quickly um, solves itself. So I don't really, I don't really bother about those things because I think that it'll it'll have its own quick end, uh, which is kind of logic. But um, what I do think is important, and, and this is something that I am trying to um, work on with uh, students at COSC, is to um, convince them that a participatory art practice is not necessarily good it's of good intention, but that's a different thing. And so um, I'm trying to um, overladen. <laughs> um, I'm trying to um, fill them in a way with all um, the hustle and the negativity that is um, um, inherent to participatory work to make them see that it's really a long process that you really have to want to engage with and if you're not willing to invest this time in it or um, um, give yourself a hard job in many ways then just don't start doing it because it won't um, uh, it won't make you a, a a better artist in a way, yeah. So 
are we would you say that we're at like the the height of a of a hype or or trend or a trend or or are we at a very slow continuation maybe not even beginning but a continuation of a very slow revolution or or it didn't change at all actually it's just the way we frame it who's we <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know fundamentally i'm i'm preoccupied with our position uh, as artists and i think i'd like to be totally honest there is also something like I, it's not like being a dentist, like you don't really, or at least we didn't really make a choice to become participatory artists. So it just happened to us, like because we had reasons to do so and because we had reasons not to give up. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it kind of worked uh, or not, and but still made us do it. And so it, it seems weird that like when when... Um, now that it's like one of the functions in, in like in like the, the Flemish art degree and like when, when it's becoming such a trendy word, like uh, a lot of the time I'm like, oh, I don't even know if, I, if I'm doing this, you know. <laughs> but then also, do I care? Like, but I think this is a very, it's a, a nuance, but it's a very important difference for me. I don't know if it was Rancière or someone else who said it, but I follow it so... I uh, repeat it again and again, is that I, I also believe that there's no such thing as committed arts, but there are committed artists, as there are committed dentists and committed journalists and so on. And so it's a way of of, of um, handling things. And, and not every project that I do will be participatory, um, but probably my history in participatory projects will reverberate through other projects and so it's not necessarily about a new category in art but hopefully another awareness of de dealing with people through art projects but also through other um, practices that don't have anything to do with art. don't know in a participatory project we're not at, at the helm of things I don't know how you say that like yeah I there's many conversations or many dynamics that I don't know about it's just yeah. happening between people and maybe I am not addressing someone's uh, problem with psychosis but other people are because they recognize this immediately and I think this is in a in an ugly word like the self-managing aspect also of, of a participatory project is that mm -hmm. it's a very complex dynamic of what the meaning of a project is for every individual of the persons involved. Yeah, and to, to a large degree you, you have no idea what people's motivation is to come. Sometimes it's just because there is food which is already like a very important one, or there's coffee, or it's a social opportunity, or you, mm -hmm. you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I have a participant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a participant, and maybe it's interesting because I, I, I asked her why, why are you coming always, and she said, it's "Just uh, there's an older woman here in the atelier, and I don't understand her because uh, she's talking Turkish and I'm not. But uh, uh, it reminds me of my mom. I, I really think she's like my mom. She's really have that character, and then." She never talks to that woman, or but she sees her, and uh, yeah, so that's her motivation. They, they can be very different. different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our time is, is kind of up uh, for today, uh, but uh, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, Kelly van Egem and uh, thanks for the great podcast. This podcast is part of a three-year-long trajectory from Rest for the Wicked with support of the Flemish government and in collaboration with Demos, Forad Art Center uh, and the University of Ghent Research Group Culture and Education. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourself and take care of the people around you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.